and sisters. It is good to be here this morning with you at Trinity Episcopal Church to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Eucharist and confirmation. We are going to have receptions and reaffirmation this morning. Uh, my name is Hector Monterroso and I am a bishop assistant here in the Diocese of Texas. I am originally from Guatemala. This is my country, the country I, I am originally from. And but I am a Costa Rican too, because I live in Costa Rica for 14 years, serving as diocesan bishop there. And now I'm here in Texas. Uh, you know, I was very comfortable in Costa Rica, and, uh, and uh, I never thought to move from, uh, from Costa Rica to a different place. And about uh, three years ago, I received a call from Bishop Andy Doyle, and he invited me to think and to reflect the possibility to come here and to work. And I decided to uh, reflect. And after a good conversation with my family, we decided to accept his invitation. And now I'm here. And it's part of my life change. And it's part of my life uh, trying to be open, my mind and my heart, to hear God's voice and to learn how the Holy Spirit moved our lives. And um, living in Texas is a great experience. It's a little different like Latin America in many ways. You know, a very a challenging task for me is driving in Houston. Yeah, it's a little hard. Yeah. Uh, but uh, because, you know, there, sometimes we, we, we believe uh, the, the rules are the same, but not necessarily. You know, for instance, uh, uh, in most countries in Latin America or Central America, it's not possible when you're driving it's, and you arrive an, in an intersection, it's not possible to turn left if no arrow, if, the, if no green arrow, yeah? And if no green arrow, it's not possible to turn left, yeah? But here it's not the same. And when I arrived, still, after two years living here, Still, when I arrive at an intersection and need not green arrow, I cannot move. Yeah? I know it's possible, but I cannot move. And I stay there until the people start to use their horns and it's time to move. Yeah? But every day is a good experience. Every day I, I'm learning. And, uh, uh, and now, when I travel outside of Houston, and I sleep in a different place, I am looking to go back to my home because now I feel Houston is my home. And that is great. Uh, this is the first time I have officially visited Trinity, Trinity but I feel at home uh, because I have uh, many connections to the clergy and laity that serves here. You know, I know Hannah Atkins from many years ago, from El Salvador, when she was ordained there. I was, I was a general secretary for Latin America, and we served and worked together. And that is a great connection. Uh, I have another connection, Henry Atkins. Henry Atkins is a good friend of mine. We worked together, in, especially in theological education for Latin America. For many years, we worked and traveled together. And, and, and I hear, I, I, I learn some English from him. I sound not very clear, it's his fault. <laughs> and um, 
And I know uh, Rich. Rich came uh, to Costa Rica in 2016, right? 2016, and he came to work in a very specific program to support uh, single mothers uh, with HIV uh, in one of the projects in Costa Rica. And during that week, Rhonda Rogers came too. And now she is, she is a former member of this church, and now she is a, a reverend deacon. Yeah, we ordained her last week. Yeah, many connections. And I can identify and I can see and recognize some faces of the lady members of this congregation because I'm sure we uh, gather together in different meetings and around the dioceses. And that means I feel like home today in this, in this church in Trinity. Uh, before living in Texas, I live in Costa Rica. And before Costa Rica, I lived in Guatemala. And my first, year, um, my first job with the church in Guatemala was in a city called uh, Zacapa. I am a former mechanical engineer. This is my first career. And I worked in that, uh, in that company for several years. But my first job in the church happened in a, in a, a place called Zacapa. And my work there uh, consists of a plant and a church. And this city in Guatemala is located in the, in the east part of the country and is known for two things. The production of a very famous rum and its desert scenario and heat. One week a year 51, year, 51 weeks a year, 100 degrees. One week a year, 110. Hot, very hot. There my job was to plant new churches. And after several years, the church began to bear fruit. And we built the temple. And at the end of all the construction process, we wanted to have a garden there. However, the land was barren and almost no plant could grow there. That was our dream, to have a nice garden. But dirt, the dirt was very uh, difficult to grow any, any plant. While, while I was working in this city, I had the opportunity to attend the general convention of the Episcopal Church for the first time, 1991. The convention was in Phoenix, in Arizona. One weekend, one weekend while I was there, I, I went to visit Tucson. And there, the similar weather that the city, I, I was planting the church, hot. And in that city, I saw an amazing cactus, the saguaro. Maybe that is the pronunciation, I am not sure, but it's a big cactus. And immediately, when I, want, I wanted to buy one to bring to our church new garden in Guatemala. When I saw that cactus, I, saw, I, I thought, oh, this is the cactus I want to have in my garden in Guatemala. 
and the weather and the conditions very similar. However, I, I went to the store trying to find one and the man working in the store told me it was not possible to buy an, a small plant and bring it to another country because of agricultural and customs law, laws. But I could buy a seed. The man told me it might be a little inconvenient because the, seed, the seeds grow very slowly. For these seeds to grow and appear above ground, it takes anywhere from 15 to 50 years. You know, I asked him about how, how, how long it takes to have the cactus like this size. And he said, 150 years. Oh. And, and the big one, he said, 400 years. Yeah, you can imagine. But he said, take the seeds. But maybe 15 years to 50 to appear. I immediately thought it, was, it is possible that I wouldn't be in this church for that long. And I would never see it fully grown. But I decided to take the seeds and plant, the, and plant them anyway. Since that time, my life has changed a lot. I moved countries, and I was bishop, elected bishop in Costa Rica. Now I'm here in the Diocese of Texas. The church I left in Guatemala also has had many good things happen, and many good priests. It has been 20 years so far. The seed of the saguaro has not sprouted. I believe, because I know where is it. Every time I can, I have the chance to visit that place, I go to that church, I go to that garden, and I, I know where is the seed. I cannot see it. But I believe that under the soil, the seed is creating life. And at some point, it will sprout from the soil and grow. Martin Luther King said in this way, even if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. The construction of kingdom of God is a well-structured plan. It is not up to us to know the time in which it will finally be established, but it is up to us to be part of this construction process. Our contribution includes fighting with all our strength and our gifts, gifts against forces contrary to the establishment of this kingdom. The kingdom of God has as its main values equality, peace, solidarity, reconciliation, and love for one another. In many cases, these values are not the same as the world teaches us. 
God's love is the fundamental value to transform all structures and the resolution of conflicts. In the Gospel of St. Luke, we see Jesus rebuke his disciples for thinking and, wait and wanting to act according to the values of the world. James and John respond to, feeling, to feelings of anger and violence. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Faced with this action, Jesus prefers to avoid violence and leads the group down a different path to reach their destination. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus knows that he will face the violence, anger, and injustice of those who persecute him, do not hear his voice and want to kill him. Jesus repeatedly and particularly after his resurrection rebukes, rebukes his disciples and reminds them of the importance of love and reconciliation rather than anger and violence. Jesus gave a clear message to his disciples. The only way people can recognize that you are my disciples is to love each other. The only way to love God is to love our neighbor as we do ourselves. This is our identity. It is the main value that God has given us and the most important tool to transform any kind of injustice, violence, and mistreatment. The church is called to proclaim by word and testimony that the love of God is an endless source of forgiveness and is the most valuable treasure we can offer. Love is the way to reconciliation, and it is the only route to peace. Our sanctuaries must be places free of hate and discrimination. If the community where we are located can clearly identify this in our church, when, then we are offering something that the world cannot offer them. Desmond Tutu, Anglican Archbishop and Nobel Peace Prize winner, declared that Hate has no place in the house of God. No one should be excluded from our love, our compassion, or our concern for their race or gender, their faith or their ethnic origin, or, or their sexual orientation. As followers of Jesus, and builders of his kingdom, we are called to offer concrete actions through service to others who seek in the church a clear and visible picture of God's love and presence. Today we are going to celebrate confirmation, uh, reception and reaffirmation. And all of us are invited to participate in our baptismal covenant renewed. Um, and it's great because that, that, uh, that is important because we renew forces in, the ch in church. And you are going to have a number in the church. Yeah, it's, you know, the numbers are important for the Episcopal Church. And um, all we have number. You know, uh, as a bishop, I have a number. When I was consecrated in Costa Rica, in Central America as a province, and the Episcopal Church is a different province, 
Because I won, when I was ordained there, I got my number. And in Central America, I am number two. I am the bishop number two in Central America. And when I moved to a different jurisdiction, the Episcopal Church jurisdiction, I got my number. And now I have a different number. And my number here is 1105. <laughs> it was two, and now I am 1105. Yeah. But that means I am, a I am a member of a different body, a, a, a bigger, a larger body, the Episcopal Church. And, um, and you are going to have your number too. I don't know what number you have. I'm going to check in the book after, after service, but you are going to get your number. But the numbers are important because uh, that provides us the capacity to participate and to be part, not just as a member of one parish, but as a member of the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Communion, the body of Christ. And that is important because it's important when we act together and when we work together, when we pray together. Yeah, that is important. You know, my father was a professional soccer player. And when I have time, I like to watch uh, soccer, soccer games, like right now in, the, in the, the World Cup, the female World Cup, yeah? But for, uh, for people who love soccer, the most important event happened every four years, yeah? And that is the World Cup. Happened two years ago in Russia. And the most important moment for Latin Americans watching that World Cup happened when Mexico scored a goal to Germany. The Mexicans, with no possibility to, to go to Russia to watch that game, they gather in the Zócalo. The Zócalo is the main public park in Mexico City. And 85,000, 85,000 Mexicans gather in that place to watch big screens the game. And when Mexico scored the goal to Germany, all the Mexicans start to jump together yeah, at the same time. And you know what happened? They create an earthquake. They create an earthquake. Very small, measurable. But they move the globe. 85,000 people. You can imagine you are going to be confirmed. You are going to be part of this church. And we are not 265, 100. We are 85 million Anglicans around the world. And you are going to get your number. But you can imagine when we act together, when we work together in different places, we can create a big impact in the society in our neighborhoods and the places we are located. And this is your invitation this morning. The Holy Spirit is ready to provide and to support you to discover your gifts and your talents to serve, to, to share and to serve the community.
And we are called to be united with many people around the world to pray and to do actions to contribute with a life transformation. And this is your call and this is our call to participate with many people around the world as, as Jesus' followers to change and to contribute to life transformation. We can do many things when we work together. Amen. <laughs>